0: all right hello everyone we are back again what's with another good episode i'm out for nomad i'm Snell. and this is where from here um welcome Sir. to where from here we're a podcast for creatives music lovers and people that care about culture moving forward uh, we want to bring you to the table with us as we share our insights and as we all are deciding our next steps to figure out where from here um, today is a special day. We have day. our second special guest from the show, and this is actually our first virtual uh, conversation. Um, but it's so necessary in these times. Um, I don't. I, this is a very special person that I've had a the chance to have a great relationship with over the last several years. Uh, this is a person. With, when I say a person with integrity. integrity in um, purpose, this is um, probably the the poster child for this of people that I know, <laughs> um, and I don't want to do too much, so I will uh, let her let her introduce herself. Um, we have Nora on the show. Nora, how are you?
1: hi that was such a that's such a lovely introduction thank
0: you <laughs> thank you thank AJ's you.
2: good at that he's good at introductions
0: I, t- yeah. I try I try I know I could have went down your whole list but I feel like we'll get we'll get into that um <laughs> so we'll talk about that but but um yeah I, I first want to start out so uh let the people know like who who is Nora tell us a little bit of your background like who are you
1: do you want like the long story or like the quick pitch
2: blurb hey
0: you can we, can we do a mix? Can we do, yeah, a, mix do, it, yeah,
1: do a mix? of Yeah, go. we could totally do. So um, I'm a creative consultant. I founded Culture Fix with Natalie Crew. Basically what I do is I help um, creative people connect with other creative people around the world. I help them achieve success without giving up their financial freedom or their creative control. And I help people think about what it looks like to use their platforms for social impact. And so very specifically, to overthrow white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism. Um, a little bit of my longer story, I was born in Iran during the US-sponsored Iran-Iraq war. So literally the US was giving Saddam Hussein weapons to use against us in Tehran. The night I was born, they were dropping bombs. Um, and my mom was like, no, I was like, all right, I'm ready. There's chaos around me. Like, let me add it. Um, and so that was the night I decided I was like, I was ready. Um, I lived on three continents before I was three. We came to the US as refugees. um, And I grew up in a neighborhood where I was the only Persian kid I knew. Um, It was a very working class immigrant community. So we all were like struggling, fighting against each other because we were struggling. Um, And I found community in art and and specifically in hip hop. I learned English by like translating soap operas Mm -hmm. and hip hop songs. Like I'll when I understood when I understood Bone Thugs and Harmony, that's when I was like, "Oh, I speak <laughs> English oh, yeah. now." You got like it. I understand. If you
0: understand yeah. Bone Thugs. You you got it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um,
1: and so you know that that was my you know people ask me like why do you do the work you do why hip hop um, one because the kind of politics was was born in me right I came into the world with the world trying to destroy me. Um, and then art, culture, music, but hip hop in particular was the way that I found the sense of belonging and connectedness, especially when I didn't really see or know other people who looked like me. And you know, I was the only kid that spoke Farsi in the neighborhood. I was, um, and so it gave us a sense of kind of being together. And so I've done, you know, I used to do gang intervention work. I've done a lot of different kinds of jobs and roles. But what's always been consistent is. Um, is community and people and art as a way of making the world a better place for all of us.
2: Wow, what a story. <laughs> what a story. Wow. Can I can I dive in a little deeper here? Um you came here as a refugee to California, correct? Glendale. We went to
1: New York first. New York. And then we ended up in Glendale, yeah.
2: So what what in your upbringing brought you to this point to get into the consulting and the and, you know, just fighting, fighting a good fight.
1: I'm telling you, the fight was always, like, the fight was always in me. Um, mm-hmm. One of my first, I must have been in, like, elementary school. The teachers were like, okay, kids, nap time. And we didn't want to take a nap. And we were like, oh, we're playing. And so I organized all my peers, and we led a resistance, a protest against nap time. <laughs> um, which actually, is, it's funny and I'm like, oh my God, that's such a typical thing that I would do. But it was the first time I understood that I, as like, you know, I'm a kid, that was the adult. I was able to get what I wanted from the adult. It felt so powerful. And I think it was, that might've been one of my earliest understandings of how collective power
0: can, yeah.
1: can shift things. Yeah. That even though we were powerless as children, we were able to, in working together, get what we wanted. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I ever anticipated becoming a consultant. Like, what is that? I I like, right? I was supposed to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, right? Like, good person, kid. Um, I for sure thought that I was going to do uh, I was doing gang intervention, prison abolition work before I started managing this artist and like my life took a turn. And so that's what I thought I was gonna do was this like community organizing work. And it just so happened that I met an artist, got peer pressured into managing him. And that like took my life, honestly, you guys, by accident. Like I I yeah. ended up here by accident, um, but it, it worked. And I think for me, I'm like, you know, my dad's an artist. My mom's a psychologist and I'm very much like half and half of them. So I get all the creative, like my dad can walk into any room and like connect with people. Everybody loves him, even if they don't know him. So I get a little bit of that like social piece from my dad. And then my mom, the psychologist is like organized and logical. And like, so that's where I get my ability to like make spreadsheets and plan (laughs) ahead. And like, so I think in some ways it was born in me. It was born in me to be like this combination of things that I am now.
0: It makes perfect sense with uh, how, like where you come from to your parents and, and it makes perfect sense and, and how you've been a leader and want to help people. So, and you kind of touched a little bit on the, uh, the music that you listened to and how you wanted to, you ended up managing an artist and helping with artists. So I want to know, we, we, we're a big music, uh show mm-hmm. we we talk a lot about music, so I would love to know uh about any albums or any artists that were have been life changing or paramount for you as in, in your life
1: oh, that's a great question um, i mean so when I moved to liberia um that 's where I met the rapper that 's where i you know, I started management and all that kind of stuff. And so in Liberia, they have a version of hip hop they call Hipco. And okay. Hipco for me was, was literally, like literally life-changing, right? I met this rapper, I started managing him. I, you know, we developed this whole industry and it literally took my life from going down one path into the other. Um, so I always have to give that credit. And I think partly because of the timing that was around the same time that Beats was coming up. And so I was able mm-hmm. to build relationships with a lot of Beats artists. And so that's really shaped and influenced a lot of my work. So some of the, I mean, it's funny now to talk about like old school Afrobeats, um, cause the genre has been around for so long, but some of that early stuff that like Ice Prince was putting out and some of that early stuff that like Wande Cole was doing, um, some of that stuff really shaped the way that I think about music globally, and outside of like hip hop as a U.S. thing, what hip hop and all of its like lovely offshoots could look like internationally. Because um, I think that's where I saw my, myself fit in, also, as as like this third culture, multidimensional person. Because I never did just fit in in one place. Um, and so yeah, some of that international hip hop really did it for me.
0: That's dope. Wow. wow. I would love to hear a little about, about the uh the international hip hop scene. Like how does that differ, do you feel like from Yeah,
2: I learned something new. Hip hip co is that what you said?
0: Mm-hmm. Hip co. Wow. How does it how does it differ from I guess um, like the traditional American hip hop to, you know, is it is it has it kind of meshed over the years and everybody's kind of all on the same? Like how how has that influenced you, or how or have you seen the difference with it?
1: You know, I, I think it's actually the similarities of stories, right? So each in each country, it's a little different, right? They take the U.S. kind of export and add their own local twist. So whether it's like language or whether it's an instrument or it's the production, the samples, um, but the thing that's always common is the stories and what you get from the stories from the lyricism is this real common like the the commonality of the human experience right everyone's talking about love everyone's talking about heartbreak everyone's talking about the government is screwing us over it sucks to be poor um you know everyone's talking about corruption or injustice everyone's talking about police brutality and violence um And I think that's the thing for me where the power of it lies in is we might not even really understand each other so much, but here's a common experience that we're all having. And so for me, the possibility then is in what happens when we start to organize together, right? And what happens when we start to build global coalitions and like, then we can change the world, right? And that's all I want to do. And so the power that, even though we're told these stories of how different we all are from one another. Mm-hmm. Hip-hop kind of makes clear how systemically <clears throat> a lot of us are struggling with the same things and that's the opportunity for connection.
2: Okay. Now, let me let me go a little bit further on that. Um, so we, have, we know a lot of hip-hop artists in our community, I'm sure with the, all the work that we do, me and AJ, the work that you do. Um, let's say an artist is watching this interview, right? Mm-hmm. and they want to hire you, but they're not quite clear on exactly what y- you consult. You would consult them on. Mm-hmm. Can you just give us a little, like maybe a, an example of, I want to hire Nora. Let me, what will she do for me?
1: That's a great question. First thing I always start with is what are your goals? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes for a lot of artists, they're either not clear enough or specific enough, or they think they want something that they're supposed to want, but it's not really what they actually in their heart want. And so um, help them figure out what the goals are. And then from there, we'll figure out the strategy. And I'll teach you how to implement that strategy. So not just, I think that's, a lot of people know what to do. They don't know how to do it. And so I'll work with you on the how, um, whether that's identifying your niche or learning how to negotiate or identifying who you should be collaborating with internationally, And help you build that relationship. Um, So it's really goals, strategy, and um, implementation. Got
2: you. Okay. Would Would you still be interested in managing?
1: (laughs) Oh, nice. You know, in some ways, I I miss it. Right? There's something like really day to day, nitty gritty. Um, So maybe it would have to be the right artist, the right, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, the right project, the right maybe.
2: Yeah. Maybe. maybe okay okay
1: maybe that's good to know i'm not okay. a good i'm not a good babysitter so yeah. it would, you know it would have to be an artist who's um maybe like fascinating a babysitter because i'm good at the strategy so i don't want to you know i used to work with this artist and be like okay call time is at three so that he could be there by six i don't want oh, to wow. do that Yeah, yeah
2: yeah
1: you know what i mean i don't want to mm-hmm. have to do that let's spend that time doing more productive things
0: right So I have a two-part question for you. So as you've been doing like all your consultant work, what's the biggest problem that you see the creatives that you consult with, like wish to solve? Like what's a pattern that you see with like the problems that people want to solve or need to solve as a consultant?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of, it's a couple of things. One is the the self-sabotage that artists do. And I think that's part of where I come in because they don't think that they're doing it. But there's all these ways where, where artists, especially early in their career, um, hold themselves back, right? Uh-huh. And so I think where I come in is help them realize, like, do you notice this pattern of behavior? Let's explore it. Let's work through it. Um, so I think that's one. And I think the other thing is people want shortcuts. And so they, like, I want a million followers and, like, streams now. I'll just buy them. That's actually not going to help you. Like, And so, so kind of un. but, but I get it because that's what you've been told that success is. And so you're just going to follow that. If you don't stop to really think and unlearn and unpack, of course, that's what you're going to want to go for. And so I think that's where I come in is, is in helping artists kind of take a step back and be like, well, actually what could you do with only a hundred fans? Okay. What could you do with 200 fans and really start building something out slowly organically gradually but that's like a solid foundation so that you can start seeing kind of returns and rewards early even if you don't have a million fans right Mm -hmm. Um, but i think those are the two things for sure the self-sabotage and the the wanting to speed things up
0: gotcha and the second part of my question with that on top of that so i know that you've dealt with artists from different levels some that are straight up beginning some that are you know, got a lot going on. But as you see people that you work with, that you start working with and you're building a foundation with, like, what's the biggest misconception that you see that artists have as they go into this saying, I want to be an artist and they're going into it with this certain expectation? What's what's the biggest misconception that you see people have?
1: That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I think it varies depending on stage. I think early stage, I think that, like, talent or good music is enough. And it's, and I hate to say in a perfect world, it would be right. The most talented Mm -hmm. would be the most, but it's, that's really not how it works. And so that's often, I think a shock when they realize like, it's not enough to have talent. I need a personality or I need a business plan or I need a bit of luck and chance. Um, And then I think as, as they advance in their career, it's the misconception is really like how much work it takes. Um, I think sometimes people think like, oh, I just wanna make music all day. But you, if you're not on top, especially if you're planning to stay independent or keep your team small, if you're not on top of the business, the relationships, the answering your emails, the you know, doing all those like nitty gritty kind of boring one day things, um, the music can only take you so far, unfortunately.
2: Mm, okay. Are you, are you, um, the work that you do, is it only with like hip hop artists or are you expand? Are you more expanding just toward creators in general?
1: Yeah. Creatives in general. I mean, musicians is kind of like my first love. So, um, I work with quite a bit of like hip hop afrobeats artists. Um, but I've worked with writers. I'm working with a woman now who's trying to set up a, um, Like a grant for small businesses. Um, So, creative people really, really broadly, which makes it fun because then part of what I get to do is connect my clients to one another. Mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in another life, I think, AJ, you've heard me say this like, in another life, I would have been a matchmaker and like (laughs) connected people so they can go fall in love. Um, And I think in this life, that manifests as like just connecting creative people. Because yeah. mm-hmm. then they, they go and they make stuff and that makes me really
2: happy.
0: I can attest yeah. to attending one of your um one of your workshops that you did and right after that you were like everybody connect and you mm-hmm. had a I think you had a spreadsheet people could get on and mm-hmm. all this stuff so <laughs> I, I love that you do that. Um I I would love for us to dive deeper into the projects that you uh that you that you do or the, the certain things that you do right now. So um one is I know that you founded Culture Fix uh, which is an amazing outlet and resource for artists pushing to make social change. Can you tell us more about what Culture Fix is and why it's important? Sure. Um,
1: yeah, so I I started I started Culture Fix six years ago with this woman, Natalie Crew. Natalie and I met on Twitter um, during a Twitter chat and she was like, global hip hop activism. And I was like, what? Me too, global hip hop activism. So literally, I mean, I'm not even being, like, I'm not exaggerating we had six tweets. No, I lied. Four tweets. Four <laughs> tweets. I slid in the DMs. We had like two <laughs> DMs back and forth. It was like, yo, let's get on a call. And after two phone calls, realized we both knew all these amazing people around the world who are doing amazing, incredible things at the intersections of art and activism. But those people didn't know each other, and so that's how we started Culture Fix. Um, and we were probably doing like, we had done a good like six months of work together before we even like Skyped, right? This is how long ago, this was pre-Zoom Skype. days. Um, We Skyped um, before I even knew what Natalie looked like. And I, I think the reason, and so now what Culture Fix does, we connect people, we curate events, we consult for projects. Um, I think part of what makes our work so important is when we're often told we're too radical, Oh, it can never happen. You're asking for too much. The change is too drastic. Um, And that's easy to believe if you're operating in isolation. And so when you start to connect people who think the same way, who are doing similar work, now it's much harder to tell me, oh, I'm too radical when AJ is doing the same thing and Snell is doing the same thing and Natalie is doing the same thing. And even though we might be scattered around the world, we're on the same wave. And so then we get to work together in community and coalition. Um, and I think that's part of what makes makes our work at Culture Fix really special. I think the other thing is we're very much grounded in the idea that we have in our own networks everything that we need. So rather mm-hmm. than looking to outside factors, so-called experts or um, you know, things like that, it's which are very much white supremacist capitalistic things, right? that tell us we don't have enough. You need to go elsewhere. We reject that in favor of, look, the community is going to show up and take care of each other. Um, and so we try to, that's an internal organizational value, but it's also a very solid kind of practice that we have to, to really help people think about some of these things that we're trying to do aren't as impossible as people will have us think. Mm,
0: that's. I, just, I think we should just let that sit for a second for <laughs> yeah. people, that, people that are watching this that I know we feel like we need to impress certain people. And I've heard a phrase of like trying to work vertically, trying to like, but rather work horizontally,
2: horizontally, like
0: with with your peers and that you're not, you're more than likely not alone. There are other people thinking the way you're thinking, doing the things that you're doing. And it's just figuring, finding the people that you can work with to do the type of work that you want to do or that you are doing. So I just want to make sure we reiterate that uh, for the people listening. So
1: I mean, it's also the idea of you don't need someone to open a door for you. You don't need someone to invite you to sit at their table that we can create our own tables and then make space for others to come and sit with us. Right. We don't even have to build walls and doors. We just have a table and like leave it wide open. Um, and so it's a fully different shift of thinking about what expertise success, um, validity, legitimate, legitimacy, all these things look like, um, that we can create space for ourselves. And that space is just as important as, you know, whatever blue check mark, verified clout, whatever, whatever, um, that other people might value.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, with all of this coronavirus going on, obviously we're doing this interview virtually. Um, AJ just had his love fest. Mm-hmm. And that was a virtual event. It was super successful. So tell us about Den Music Fest, which is a, another festival that you you have a huge part in and, you know, you work on. So tell us about that. What is it? When when, can, yeah. when did it take place?
1: Um, Den Music Fest is one of my most favorite things that I do. Um, I co-produce it with Last Name Good, who's half of Paid in America, which is a dope hip-hop group out of Atlanta. Um, and it started, you know... I think we all know really incredible artists, independent hip hop artists who maybe can't access some of the bigger festival stages, right? South by isn't easy to get on. A3C is becoming increasingly commercial and exclusive. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted this, I this space where it wasn't about your vanity metrics, your numbers, your clout, your followers, like any of that stuff. It was really about good people who are making good music who could put on good performances. And so um, every year we do a festival in Atlanta. This year, obviously, we're, we were virtual. And actually, not only were we virtual, we also expanded to making it a two-day festival. So we had a whole lineup, and then we had a whole day of artist development sessions. But I think the thing that makes Den different from other, other places, other festivals, is that it really is about the community and the relationships. And so I always say it's the kind of place where... And this happened virtually. I didn't think it was going to happen virtually. And it totally happened virtually where people come and stay for other, like an artist will come and stay and watch other artists' performances.
2: Mm. No. So instead no. of being
1: like, all right, I'm out. Bye. Yeah. They're here from like sound check to the end. They're here. Um, and that's, I think really, really special because then they connect and they collaborate and they build and, um, yeah, it's a really special place. And so if you've missed it, um, look on YouTube, the whole stream is up. And these are some of the nice things about being virtual is mm-hmm. that we were able to, we had artists from uh, Saudi Arabia, the UK, like really brought in an international lineup this year, which we could do because we're virtual. Um, the whole lineup is up. So if you missed it, you can watch it. Um, so yeah, I mean, <coughs> but, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite, favorite things that I mm-hmm.
2: do. I'll be checking it out. I'm always on the hunt for like new artists that I haven't heard, and especially with the international pool that this show sounds like it brought in, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking into that for sure.
0: Yeah, make sure you tune in. And I can say personally, I've I performed at it a couple years mm-hmm. ago in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a I'm a product of the Den. Uh, I in <laughs> Atlanta before he was doing Den Music Fest. Yeah. Jay Good, who uh, has worked with Nora to, to bring this together, is he's just. I I don't know. He's like an underground legend in Atlanta to me because he's just been doing this for so long and supporting the uh, independent artists and like the come as you are kind of thing that I know you guys were um, promoting this year. Um, I I can speak personally that it's just a great uh, environment. It's it's and it's very supportive. It's a great way for people to connect. So and it's dope to see that you guys are expanding it and doing it internationally now, too. So. A big kudos to you for that. So we'll probably have to give some, some clap sound effects <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. for you.
1: I mean, OK, Can I can I add? Because y'all were asking me about how I got started. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that shows up in all of my, you know, I'm Persian, right? Thank Hospitality you. is huge in Persian culture. There is no way you would walk in through my mom's door and she wouldn't offer you tea and fruit and cookies and pastries. <laughs> You know, and and it's big in Persian culture to make everybody feel welcome, right? You could be a stranger off the street, and they'd be like, "Oh, come to my house," you know.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and I think because that's so deeply embedded in me, I approach all of my events that way. So there is like for sure, for sure, if you come to an event that I'm producing. I will talk to you, even if we don't know each other, you just happen, I will talk to you, I will introduce you to someone, I will make sure that you feel seen, heard, you know, welcome. And I think that's part of what makes Culture Fix, that makes the music fest, that makes office hours, that makes anything that I do a little different, is that it really is about people connecting to people. I don't care your job title, I don't care your, you know, none of that stuff matters, we show up as people. And for me, that's as much a anti-capitalistic, anti-patriarchy value as it is just like something that's in me. Um, I want you to come. I want you to have a good time. I want you to feel like you were connected to something because I think that's just as important as as anything else that we do.
0: Absolutely. And. and I want to make sure that we uh, we touch on your all of your biggest uh, projects that you do, I, I, and you mentioned it just now um, with office hours. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that as well, and how that kind of adds into this whole um, yeah sphere of, of 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 community that you're you're uh, curating mm-hmm. and helping out.
1: I mean, they all kind of like fit together, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely office hours came out of, I was at a conference, this guy was on stage, every question they asked him, he was like, well, I worked so hard. Why would I tell you that? Bro, you're on the panel to answer these questions. Like, why are you, (laughs) right? Like, why are you being stingy with information? Um, and so I reached out to Vic Stowe, who again, someone I met on Twitter, um, reached out to Stowe and was like, look, because we, we've, Both had been in the space of artist development. He shares free information all the time. I'm big on information accessibility. And so we started Office Hours really to to give artists and creatives a place to ask questions and get good, reliable information. Um, We started as an Instagram like Q&A series and now just reached 200 subscribers on YouTube. Um, Mm. And so we do a regular series and, and it really is just practical information for independent artists. So where you come, you ask your question, you get like real tangible how to's. Um, because I, I really do think that information needs to be accessible. And especially when we see so many artists get scammed. But we also <laughs> like, I don't know when it became cool to like shit on independent artists, right? Like everyone just wants to talk shit. I got into it with someone the other day on Twitter because he was talking about artists fail because they don't care enough, which I think is bullshit right? To artists fail, whatever that means, because they're living in a pandemic and Mm -hmm. working frontline jobs and dealing with racism and they don't have the same access or team that someone else, you know, there's like so much, sorry, I get really heated about this. Um, (laughs) There's so much that is made invisible in the music industry. And then we, but we don't talk about it, right? It's intentionally made invisible. And then we tell everyone, well, but you get the same chance as everyone else, which isn't true. And then we get mad when artists are upset that they're not where they wanna be. And so Mm -hmm. for me, the transparency and making all that hidden secret behind the scenes stuff public is, is as much of, is about access, is about equality, is about, honesty and transparency and so that's a big part of i think what you see consistently across my projects is making things a little more equitable a little more accessible um because it's it's not as easy as we try to make it seem right oh it's right like music industry is like some manifest destiny american dream myth Um, but that's not the reality of it and so why are we gaslighting artists Let's be honest. Let's be more supportive. Let's give them more tools um, so that folks really can be successful. There's so much I'll, good music out there. There's so much yeah. good music out there. There's so many good artists out there. I just want to give everyone a fair fighting chance.
2: How common is it that you see artists that you're working with just, just give up? It's not happening when they want it for them to happen. They, they, they just not... They're losing their morale. Artist morale is like a big thing. They're losing it. Do you see that happen a lot or are you seeing artists push through and keep it going? And
1: I've, I don't think I've ever seen an artist give up. I've seen them have to take, a, have to rearrange priorities. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I, I have to go get a, a real job, a quote unquote real job, or I need to reprioritize. I've seen that. Um, but I don't think you can ever take the creativity, the love, the music out of an artist. It mm-hmm. might be dormant for a little while, or they might push it to another area. But I've never seen an artist give up. Mm. So,
2: that's that's good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so um, I do have one more question for you, and this is kind of we ask everybody this. We kind of um, base our podcast heavily on music, and we like to really put people on music and people to get put on uh, to music from us. So. Who are you listening to these days? Who are your favorite artists? Maybe we can learn about some artists that we may not have known about.
1: Okay, so I've been going back to old like Persian songs. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like not even from my childhood, but like my mom's generation. Um, mm-hmm. So there's this artist named Andy, um, that if you look up like Andy Persian music, he's like the first person that's gonna come up. Um, definitely you should listen to andy you should listen to Gugush. like this old persian music um i think feels like this nostalgia in me um i've also been listening to honestly like dolly parton lately um and partly because i started learning about how politically active she is and she has this whole like literacy program which then took me to her music and she's um her music gets sampled in hip hop like all the time, and so oh, you yeah. start. So, I've been listening to a lot of like non hip hop things. Um, uh-huh. um, Burna Boy has a good album if you want oh, to have yeah. beat. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Am I Am I'm I Abaga, Um, I think is one of the best did lyricists did in the world. If you want some like good hip hop lyricism. Um, and also youngster CPT, who's a South African hip hop artist, who um, is also his
0: lyricism is really fun. Um, yeah, I'd
1: like to mix it up.
2: Cool. Okay. No, that's dope. That's that's what I wanted. Just to hear some artists because I'm definitely gonna play this back and go check these people out. So I'm gonna yeah. see your music taste.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I want to know. I want to know what you think. I want to hear the feedback.
0: Okay. We'll hit you up too. Yeah, we're gonna check it out. For sure. sure. Um, so, and for so you giving us a, some music wrap up, I guess. What um, we we've got, I feel like an idea of your mission. What is it that you want, if anything else, that any creatives, especially artists, to walk away with, if they come in contact with Nora, like what do you want them to leave with and, and take with them? And take action with. Like, what? What do you? What would you want them to, to do?
1: I mean, I, oh, that's such a good question. I mean, it's it's the fact that it doesn't have to be for everybody for it to matter. Mm-hmm. That what you say, what you think, what you're creating, there's a space for it, um, and it's just a matter of finding other people who are looking for what you have. Um, doesn't have to be for everybody. And sometimes it's better when it's not for everybody, right? Then you can create something more intimate, more meaningful, more connected. Um, And so, yeah, don't, that the numbers, none of that stuff means anything as much as the, how something resonates with someone.
2: That's a bar right there. Yes. That's a bar. (laughs) Um, That's cool. Oh, let me, okay. I said I had one more question, but I got one more, one more question. Um, Can you see yourself getting into consulting, helping push to the next level creators in the podcasting game, such as us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of the basics are the same, mm-hmm. right? Understanding your niche, your marketing, telling your story, partnerships. 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We should, okay. we should talk about, we, about it. We definitely should. Light, <laughs> light bulb just went off in my head. So okay.
1: I saw it. I see
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it too. Right. Um, so do you, before we get you out here, what let people know, I guess give a, just another intro for if anybody is just checking out or whatever. Um, who are you? How can people get in touch with you? Is there anything we should be looking forward to or looking to uh, in the near future from you? I'll let you uh, take it from there.
1: Yeah, um I'm Nora Rahimian. I'm a creative consultant. I'm the co-founder of Culture Fix. I want to help people be successful without giving up their financial freedom, their creative control, and all while making the world a better place. So, um I'm on all the socials at Nora Rahimian. Um I'm super accessible. Like DM me, ask me questions. Um if you're interested in consulting i will work with you to find a price that's comfortable with you i don't think that money should be the thing that keeps people from accessing resources so don't let that be the thing that holds you back um and coming up we've got more office hours then music fest will come back in 2021 um tons of events with culture fix if you're interested in connecting with people. All of the above. I just want to help people shine. I really, genuinely, just want to help people shine. Um, and so, if I can support you in any way, please feel free to reach out.
2: Can you can you give the people your your? Maybe I missed it. Can you give them the Instagram or website one one last time?
1: It's Nora Rahimian at Everything N O R A R A H I M I A N. Okay. On all the socials.
2: Cool, cool. Well, this has been. Um, an amazing conversation. We definitely are going to have to get you in studio once this whole pandemic is over, absolutely. so we can have a more now that now that everybody knows who you are, we can have a, you know a deeper conversation, fun conversation, talk music, talk talk everything. So that'll be dope to get you in the studio.
1: Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. for sure. Dab. Nora, we appreciate you for taking this time. I, I know that the people listening are going to get something from this, whether they are an artist, a creative or just somebody who in, who is just living life, trying to shine in their own way. So I thank you so much for your time. Uh, make sure that you guys look into Nora. Don't hesitate to hit her up. She's super approachable um, and she will fight for you. Uh, mm-hmm. So make sure you guys check her out. Um, and I don't snail. do you have anything else? Before yeah. Yeah.
2: One one last. Okay, one last, one last, one last. <laughs> thing. All
0: right, she's a busy woman now. <laughs>
2: I, I know. No. I'm sorry. This is my last thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead.
0: Go ahead.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I probably missed this, but how did you two come into contact? And then and then I'm done. I promise.
0: Oh shoot. It's um, a great question. Yeah. Dang. Um, I I can always think back to when we, our first sit down and talk. But I'm like before that.
1: We met at Den. We met at Den Music Fest.
0: Was that really the first time we met?
1: I think so, because you, unless we met at A3C before that, but I think it, it was it when you performed been. at Den Music Fest.
0: Wow, okay. And I was
1: like, hi, thank you for performing. Thanks for being here. Probably made you, <laughs> you know, didn't mind, like reach out, make sure you felt like welcome and appreciated. Yeah. Um, and we just like built a relationship from there. And then when you moved to LA was when we had our first sit down
0: there you go. Yeah. Mm. My, my mental is all over. So yes, that, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. and yeah, cause I know I had talked to good when he was working with you and, um, I was like, who, who, who is this person helping, <laughs> talking to everybody? I was like, and, and I made sure he yeah, had to connect with you from there. And yeah, so that's, that's been good. And it's been solid ever since. So yeah, that's how we linked up. So
2: yeah. it's,
0: it's that. Okay. It was, yeah. All right.
2: I got like 20 billion more questions, but I'll save it
0: for the in-studio, uh, conversation. For part two. So, yes, yes. For part we'll def- two. We'll definitely have to have the a sequel. part two, absolutely. Um, so yes, so we will let you, um, enjoy the rest of your, your, uh, day and evening, Nora, um, again, everybody, uh, make sure you, uh, check us out, we have all of this on Tone, you can also follow us at Where From Here, I know we mm-hmm. have a YouTube now too, you can subscribe, so just make sure you stay in tune for the next things that we're doing, and having more conversations like this. Until next time, I'm for Nomad. I'm Snell. And until next time, peace and love. Deuces. I'll see you when I see. You.